everyone. Uh, for those that don't know who I am, my name is Mark Knutson. I'm the director here at Unite. And I realize that doesn't really tell you much about me at all. So I'll give you a little bit more. Um, I'm, I've been married for 17 years to my beautiful bride, Holly, uh, where once she's done, where our kids are done with some of the sports stuff, she'll probably be able to be here more on Tuesday nights. But there should be a picture, yes, of our family. We have three kids. My oldest, Allie, is 15 years old. My son, Landon, is 12 years old. And then my youngest daughter, Brinley, just turned seven this past July. Um, I'm originally from San Diego, California. I lived there most of my life up until 11 years ago when Holly and I and two of our kids at the time moved out here to Michigan. And I am one of six children. Um, my oldest sister unfortunately passed away last year unexpectedly. Um, and then I have an identical twin brother uh, who's a police sergeant still in San Diego, and he's 30 seconds older than me, at least he used to be 30 seconds older than me until I moved here 11 years ago, and now I'm two, you know, two hours, 59 minutes, and 30 seconds older than him, but who's counting? <laughs> um, some of you are like, that's not how it works. Well, if you're a twin, every minute, every second counts. That's how it works. Um, so that's just a little bit about me. And what I realize sometimes like, it's like, why should we listen to you? You don't know anything about me type of thing. And so I'm like, I should probably share a little bit more about me and, and hoping that by sharing with you a little information about me that maybe your perspective might change or maybe you might be willing to listen to me. Maybe I have some credibility. But then I also realize when I'm saying that I moved from San Diego, California to Michigan, Mount Pleasant, uh, so some of you might have actually lost some, you know, or think that I lost some credibility in that. I realized when I first moved out here, the first question that I was always asked when I said I came from San Diego, California, they're like, why? And, and I think it cost me some job interviews where they're just like writing down, they're like, poor decision-making skills, lacks judgment type of thing. Um, so yeah, hopefully I didn't lose any credibility with you guys uh, by sharing a little bit about myself. Uh, but welcome to our new series here. It's called A New Perspective, where we're going to be looking at some ideas or thoughts that as a culture maybe we've adopted in our own lives, um, but maybe we've been looking at them with the wrong perspective. Like, like maybe we need to turn upside down like the, the, the kid there and look at things a little differently. And so we're going to be looking at the idea of, of happiness uh, and the idea of niceness and independence over the next few weeks. So tonight I'll be covering the idea of, of happiness, and then next week will be niceness, and the following week will be independence. And so I hope you guys will join us each week, and that you'll enjoy and, and hopefully maybe learn a thing or two along the way. But before we, we, we dive in here, I would love to just invite God into this time. So would you pray with me? God, um, Lord, I just pray for, for your spirit, God, to, to do a work that only you can do. Uh, God, I pray that, that you would speak through me tonight, God, in a way that each person would hear you in a specific and unique way that they know it's just from you. And God, I pray that, that you would just stir in the hearts tonight, God, that, that ultimately um, it would just draw us closer to you, that we'd find happiness, Lord, in you. And so I pray for your truth. I pray that anything that is not of you, God, would be dismissed. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 
So isn't it interesting uh, how with a little information, sometimes our perspectives change. Uh, you can be driving down the road and, and what seems to be a dis disrespectful, crazy driver just comes and they cut you off and you're, you're thinking, what a horrible person. And you're wanting to give them a hand gesture, like a thumbs down, of course. Uh, <laughs> And then you might learn a little bit more about the situation. You find out that they were actually rushing somebody to the hospital. It was a life or death situation, emergency. And so they were just trying to get there as quick as they can. Suddenly you have a new perspective towards them. Or maybe you've, you've met someone and you think, I really don't like this person. They're kind of snobby or they're stuck up. They're rude. I don't really like them. And then you learn a little, you find out more about their story, maybe what they've been going through or maybe what they're currently going through. And you're just like, oh, wow, like I had, I had no idea. And you start to have maybe a heart for them and you have a new perspective. And I don't know about you guys, but I love to, to gain information about things or people that helps change my perspective of how I, I look at things. I actually enjoy that. And so my prayer and my hope tonight is that I can share some information from God's word um, about the idea of happiness that would maybe help give you a fresh perspective on it. And so before I talk about this new perspective of happiness, I want to share what the secular philosopher Aristotle proposed as the four levels of happiness and see if any of these sound familiar within our culture. And so the first one is called latus. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right, so just give me the benefit of the doubt. Latus, and it's happiness from material objects. This kind of happiness can be intense but short-lived. People focusing on this level of happiness run the risk of, of that a crisis will come where there, where there just seems to, you know, life seems shallow or it feels like there's without any meaning. In other words, there's a limit to the pleasure that you can get from this kind of happiness, like a new car or a holiday or a nice meal. That's, that's where my happiness is. I'm a total foodie. I love food, so it's like, that's my happy place. But then it's like, when I'm done eating, it's like, I don't, I don't feel happy anymore. Now I feel like, like I'm regrets, you know? Um, but you guys get it too. Like when you buy a new cell phone, it's like, you're so excited and you're happy. And then two weeks later, it becomes obsolete or outdated. And so then you have to buy another one. And you know, you just, it, the pleasure has a limit basically. And I wanted to share with you guys just what the actor uh, Brad Pitt had to say about material things in an interview that he had with the Rolling Stone magazine. And I realized I'm, I'm older than most of you in here. And so I just have to let you know that Brad Pitt in my day, he was like the guy. Every guy wanted to be Brad Pitt. Every girl wanted to, to, to date him, basically. Um, and so just imagine it from my perspective. For you guys, it would probably be like Tom Holland for, for some of you out there. Uh, but just go with me for the sake of, of, of the message tonight. So Brad Pitt, think of it, you know, the peak of his career. This is the interview he's having, and, and this is what he says. He says, man, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us, the car, the condo, our version of success. But if that's the case, why is this general feeling out there reflecting more impotence and isolation and desperation and loneliness? If you ask me, I say toss all of this. We got to find something else because all I know is at this point in time, we are headed for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of the spiritual being. And I don't want that. 
And then Rolling Stone responds, so if we're headed towards this kind of existential dead end in society, what do you think we should, should happen? And Pitt says, hey man, I don't have those answers yet. The emphasis now is on success and personal gain. And he smiles, he says, I'm sitting in it, and I'm telling you that's not it. I'm the guy who's got everything, I know. But I'm telling you, once you got everything, then you're just left with yourself. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, it doesn't help you sleep any better, and you don't wake up any better because of it. So if this searching for happiness through material things, this called again, latest, the level one, according to Aristotle, level of happiness, if this is something that you find yourself most often pursuing, I'm hoping by the end of tonight that maybe you might have a new perspective. And so then moving on, the second level of happiness, according to Aristotle, it's called Felix. It's ego gratification, happiness that comes from comparison, being better, more admired than others, etc. And you feel this type of happiness when you, for example, win in sports or you get a promotion at work. Everyone likes admiration and winning to some extent, but people vary a lot regarding just how strong their competitive nature is. And I feel like we're gonna see this kind of take place tonight when we play Euchre later. We're gonna see it come out. But this idea of competitiveness or, or comparison, um, for some it's everything, for others it's just a minor and very short-lived pleasure. Happiness from continuous comparison with other people is unstable because no one or very few people can win in all domains of life all the time. I would say the closest in our world is probably Deion Sanders right now, um, just because he was able to play two sports and now he's winning as a coach. You know, some of you might know that, but others don't. Um, but in case of failure, focusing too much on this level can lead to frustrations and a sense of worthlessness Excessive focus on comparison and self-promotion also risks to alienate the people around you and can lead to self-absorption, jealousy, cynicism, and the oppression of others. And I think we can all recognize this level of happiness being really presented in social media. Just that comparison game. It's, it's so difficult to look at social media and not somehow fall into the comparison or the competitive trap. And so if this is how you might pursue happiness I hope by the end of this talk to you too, we'll have a new perspective. And the third level, according to Aristotle, is called beatitudo. The happiness from doing good for others and making the world a better place. Doesn't that sound nice? That's, that's nice. So the level of happiness is based on the human desire for connection, goodness, meaning, compassion, friendship, and unity. Some have summed it up as simply love. And as this level, we move away from ourselves and focus on the well-being of others. In essence, our own happiness depends also on the happiness of others. Level three, happiness is more lasting for most people, provides deeper feeling of meaning than levels one and two. The limits, though, of level three happiness can be said to be human imperfections. Nobody is perfect, and human relationships involve disappointment, jealousy, and the risk of being hurt. And that's, that's just life. This level three is sounding, it's sounding a lot closer to this new perspective of happiness that we're going to be talking about tonight. But there are some things in this level that aren't necessarily perfect either. 
such as the idea of, of your happiness being dependent on other people's happiness. I feel like that's giving other people too much power in your lives. It's, and so you're, you're direct, like your happiness is directly related to on whether people around you are happy. I don't think that's necessarily the perfect or the right mindset. And don't get me wrong, I do believe that making, you know, just thinking of others and loving others and trying to make a difference in this world, I think that is 100% the right way to go. I just think that there's some things that are, are still missing in this level of happiness, and maybe we'll, we'll see a little more of why a, la um, a little later. So moving on to the fourth. Oh, so actually, yeah, so if this is your level of happiness that you find yourself pursuing, again, it's, there's a lot of good in it. Um, but I'm hoping that maybe you can just slightly tweak your, your perspective. There's a lot of stuff in it. I was like, yes, love others, make a difference in this world. But there's just some, some holes there. So just slightly shift your perspective by the end of this talk. So moving on to the fourth and final level of happiness. According to Aristotle, it's called sublime beatitudo. I realize on there, there's a U in there that's not supposed to be in there. That's, that's on me. It's not beatitudo. It's beatitudo. Um, but it's the ultimate perfect happiness. Level four happiness is the most difficult to describe according to or psychologists and philosophers. It involves a search for fullness and perfection. It has to do with finding the right balance between the other levels and then some. Psychologists have labeled this desire for ultimate happiness a call for connection to the larger universe or a sort of transcendence. That kind of sounds new agey. Uh, some fulfill this desire through spirituality or religion, others through philosophy, art, or scientific endeavors to find answers to some of the big questions of life like human existence and the universe. And so I love how these philosophers and psychologists say that this level of happiness is the most difficult to describe because, it, you know, this, this fullness of happiness. Um, as it reminds me of Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, where it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, this world, we try to grasp these ideas of stuff like happiness as best as we can, but if we really want to know the real answer to what deep, meaningful, full fullness, complete happiness is, I suggest we go to the author and the creator of it all. And he leaves us with these answers in his book of instructions we call the Bible. And so I think of all the levels described in Aristotle's four levels of happiness, I feel like this last one is really the closest to what we're going to be talking about tonight, this, this new perspective of happiness, this, this idea of this ultimate perfect happiness, this fullness and perfection. And I realize it might help to differentiate the, the happiness associated with the kind of the old perspective from this new perspective of happiness. So we'll call this new perspective of happiness joy. And I know that those two words can be kind of synonymous, but I think of joy as kind of being like a, a higher degree of happiness, just a fullness and a completeness. So are you guys ready for this new perspective of happiness, a shift of this, this happiness called joy. I believe God created each of us. Or, so there's this, um, in 16 centuries ago, Augustine, he observed, he says, I am not alone in this desire for happiness, nor are there only a few who share it with me. 
Without exception, we all long for happiness. They may all search for it in different ways, but all try their hardest to reach the same goal, that is, joy. And I think Augustine is right to an extent here. He's not alone in this desire for happiness, that is, joy. I believe God created each of us for this, to have this desire when we look and we look at his word, we're going to see a little bit more clear why. And maybe this idea of pursuing happiness, the whole idea maybe sounds a little controversial for some of you guys if you grew up in the church. You're thinking more of like, aren't we supposed to just be denying ourselves and submitting our will, you know, to God's will? And I would say yes to those things. That is very true. But what if when we align our will with God's will, what if we actually find joy in that? And maybe um, when we deny ourselves of our earthly desires, it actually brought us our ultimate desire. And if this could be true, then maybe it would be in God's will for us to be pursuing this kind of happiness. I think one of Satan's most successful lies is that God is this cosmic killjoy that just wants to see everyone miserable. Like we think of him as this great sadist in the sky that takes delight in seeing his creation miserable. But the longing to be happy is a universal human experience and it is a good, and it's not sinful. God created the feeling of happiness and joy and we should never try to deny or resist our longing to be happy as though it were a bad impulse. Instead, we should seek to intensify this longing, nourish it with whatever will provide the deepest and most enduring satisfaction. And I know even as I say this, some of you are going like, wait, this does not sound right. Like, where are you going with this? And I'm not even sure where I'm going with this now. No, I'm kidding. Um, but those two words, deepest and most enduring, that changes everything. I'm getting them from the Bible. I'll tell you the, the verse in a minute. But here's what I'm saying. So the solution to your sin problem, let's acknowledge everybody in this room has a sin problem. If you were here on Sunday, Alan kind of shared that verse in Romans where we all fall short of the glory of God. So we are all in the same boat as far as being sinners. It's like nobody sins out of duty or obligation. We don't wake up in the morning and think like, I don't want to sin today, but out of duty, I'm, I'm going to sin. Nobody does that. And, and if you do, just stop it. Um, we only sin because it pleases. It feels good. We sin because we want to sin. The solution to that problem is not killing the want in your life. Like, I will cease to be a wanter, or I will now cease to be a desire. I don't even know if that's a, a word, but that, either way, it's not the solution. So I don't think the solution to our sin problem is to eliminate or get rid of the want to. It's in directing our want to on what gives the deepest and most enduring satisfaction. And what I'm about to say now might be the most important thing that I hope you can remember. So maybe if you're taking notes, write this down. This could be your only one point for the whole night. The deepest and most enduring happiness is found only in God. I'll say that again. The deepest and most enduring happiness is found only in God. And the verse where I got those two words, deepest and most enduring, comes from Psalm 1611 that reads, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
And so we got fullness, like Aristotle's fourth last level of happiness described, and we got forever, which I would say that's as enduring ever gets. And so in your presence, there is fullness of joy, not 99%, no thank you, 100% joy. You see, the world offers us all these generic versions of happiness in the forms of like what we talked about some of these other levels where we're chasing after material things, trying desperately to acquire what we think will bring us the ultimate happiness, or we run into the comparison trap game or the competitive game. And in this verse, God is virtually saying, he's, he says, full happiness and joy is not found in things, it's found only in me. And if this is true, which I believe it is because it's found in the Bible, then I believe it helps explain why Jesus, who went through just tough times, great difficulty and sorrow, especially when he bore our sins on the cross, also had great joy and happiness. In John 15, 9 through 11, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love if you keep my commands, which we learn in his, in his word that his commands are to love him and to love others. If you were here on Sunday, Pastor Allen shared that as well. But he goes on and he says, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So here we get this idea of complete joy, a full 100% not the generic version of it. And we also see this in the life of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, who longed to visit Rome as a preacher, but instead ended up coming as a prisoner in chains. And while he's basically on death row in prison, he writes these words to the church in Philippi. And I want you, as I read this verse, I want you to, to ask yourself, does this sound like somebody who's on death row in chains in prison? This is what he says in Philippians 1, 3. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy because of your par partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He later pens in Philippians 1, 21. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, he knows what's waiting for him on the other side, but he also knows what he's experiencing even in this midst of this, this jail cell. He's experiencing God's presence. And so he has joy despite what his circumstances are. And then he knows that if he were to die, he still has this joy because why? He is still in God's presence. And so this joy is enduring, it's lasting because he has it while he's here and then he dies and he has it still. It can't be taken from him. And that's what he means by to die, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jonathan Edwards, an American preacher in the 1700s expressed it well in a sermon titled, God, the best portion of the Christian. And he says, and just keep in mind, this is the 1700s, so the language it says, hence we learn that whatever changes a godly man passes through, he is happy. Because God, who is unchangeable, is his chosen portion. Though he meet with temporal losses and be deprived of many, 
Yea, of all his temporal enjoyments, yet God, whom he prefers before all, still remains and cannot be lost. While he stays in this changeable, troublesome world, he is happy because his chosen portion, on which he builds his main foundation of happiness, is above the world and above all changes. And when he goes into another world, still he is happy because that portion yet remains. But how great is the happiness of those who have chosen the fountain of all good, who prefer him before all things in heaven or on earth, and who can never be deprived of him to all eternity. Again, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And Paul later shares a secret to the church of Philippi, which he ultimately shares with us because it's in the Bible today. In Philippians 4, 12 through 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I was just thinking, I mean, this is in my notes, but I was just thinking, what a contrast to Brad Pitt's statement. He seemed like he was just really confused. He didn't know what the answer, he knows what the problem is, he just doesn't know what the answer is. And then you, to look in contrast to what Paul is saying here, there's such a confidence. He's like, I know what it is to this, and I, and I know it's through him who gives me strength that I can do all these things. So all of this continues to point us to God's presence as a source of all joy, complete and full joy. And so with this information, it would make sense that it is God's will for all of us to be happy. Not the old perspective of happy, but this new perspective of happiness. And maybe some of you have experienced this happiness, this new perspective of it, this full and complete, you know, if you've accepted Jesus as your savior and there's a time where you just felt this inexplainable joy, and I say inexplainable because maybe your circumstances in that moment were nothing to be celebrated or to feel happy about, but you had such a peace and such a joy that you knew came from just accepting Jesus in that moment. I know I've, I often will ask some of you guys what the highlight of your week is, and so many of you have told me, like, Tuesday nights, and I don't think it's, it's just the program here or anything. Like, I think there's something special that happens here. I think that, that God's presence is, is very much in this place. I think some of you come on, on, um, on Tuesday nights, maybe with heavy hearts, burden. But then just being around your brothers and sisters in Christ here and worshiping, there's just joy that starts to creep in. And you can't explain. You're just like, my life sucks right now. I can't explain why I feel just joy in my heart other than the fact that you are in his presence. When I think back on some of the happiest moments of my life, I can trace back that it was when I felt the closest to God in my relationship with him. And I don't think that I'm alone in thinking that. If you reflect back in your life, like when did I really just feel content and happy and joyful? And so I don't think it's a far stretch to realize that all of this is, is because happiness is interwoven into being with our Father in heaven and in his presence. 
So, how do we move in a direction of experiencing God's presence in our lives so that we could experience this new perspective of happiness, this full and complete joy? The first thing, it's kind of elementary, but spend time with God in his word and in prayer. Even if it's a short time, get up early enough to meet with God before you head out the door. George Mueller, a uh, Christian evangelist from the 1800s, he was quoted saying, the chief business of every day is first of all to seek to be truly at rest and happy in God. The second thing is relate everything, even the little events in your day to God's providence. Everything is from his loving hand. Nothing, bless you, <laughs> happens by chance. And I know some of you can be thinking like, well, you know, those hard moments in your life where you're tempted to ask why. I mean, you can imagine Paul, while he's in prison, who he wanted to be a preacher in Rome, but instead he's a prisoner in Rome, and he could have easily said, God, why? But this is God's providence, you see, because Paul was chained up to different guards every four hours, very influential palace guards, every four hours. He had a captive audience, and he is preaching Christ to these guards hour after hour. Who's really the prisoner here? And he understands why. He doesn't ask God why. Instead, he's like, God, what? I know you're up to something, so just help me to know what your plan is. Even though I don't understand it, again, going back to Isaiah, you know, his ways are higher than our ways, higher than our thoughts. And so I encourage you, if you're in a time of your life where you're tempted to ask why, I just encourage you instead to maybe ask what, and trusting that everything that happens doesn't happen by chance. It is God's providence. The third and final one, take time to often delight in God and his creation. There's something special about enjoying God and his creation around us. And here we have in Michigan, we have what the color tour is coming up. For those that don't know what that is, just the changing of leaves. It's a beautiful thing to see. Um, there's so many beautiful places in Michigan just to enjoy nature, to enjoy all this stuff. And, and so I can honestly say that over the 11 years I've lived here, it's my perspective has changed uh, from, from when I left San Diego. And I, I can truly say I love Michigan. I love being here. There's nothing that I feel like I have to apologize to employers saying why I live here. Um, but there's something special, again, about delighting in God's creation. But maybe some of you are like, well, I just don't really love nature. But God's creation is not limited to just the external creation around us. It's also inside of us, the gifts and the talents that he gives you. I know that when you use those gifts and his talents, there's a joy that comes in your heart, and it's because you're experiencing the presence of the creator who gave you those gifts and talents. And so delight in him, either through your gifts or your skills or into his creation, but delight in him. It says in Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What are the desires of our heart? I think to be happy. What makes us happy? Being in God's presence. So see what he did there? He told us the secret to finding the truest desires of our heart, which is to delight in him and his presence. He's saying, you want to be happy? Then delight in me. 
enjoy being in my presence. And I think when we do this, we will realize that God is far from being a cosmic killjoy. In fact, he literally created joy. And so there we have the answer that Brad Pitt, psychologists and philosophers couldn't fully understand or grasp. This ultimate, perfect, complete happiness that we'll refer to as joy. The question is, is what are you going to do about it? I think it's crazy that we can, we can have the answer, this truth right in front of us. And yet, and I know in a room this size, and I'm guilty of it too, we could either choose to reject that truth, we can, choose, we can forget about it, or we could be persuaded or tempted to settle instead for a generic version of this happiness or joy. And my prayer for all of us is that with this information, we could do more than just change our perspective of happiness. I pray that we can pursue it in the way that the Lord intended us to, not losing our want to or our desire, but searching for the deepest and most enduring and directing it to him. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. God, I pray for just pure joy in this room that comes not from any circumstances around us, God, but that just simply comes from your presence. God, I don't doubt that people have come in here with, with heavy hearts and feeling what maybe feels like complete opposite of joy. But I just, I just pray right now, God, that your presence would occupy that space. That each person would just envision just being with you. Maybe just having their head on your shoulder. Spending time with their Heavenly Father. And I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would never settle for this world's generic version of happiness. God, I pray instead that we would seek for the true happiness that you have created and that you offer to each of us if we choose to delight in you. Fill this room, Lord. And may we never lose our want and our desire to be with you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org. God bless.